Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Monday Morning Recap. My name is Pastor Matt, and I am here with Pastor Jamal. Yo. And Pastor Todd. Howdy. Pastor Jamal, glad you're back this week. Yard. It was uh, it was uh, fun last week, but we missed you. And actually, winter retreat was this past weekend. So true. tell us a little bit about that, how to go with the students and, and you know, everything that was going on there it was, it was one day it wasn't the one whole day retreat. retreat yeah usually we do the weekend thing but obviously covid you know so you know we're everyone saying pivoting right uh so we pivoted made it a one day and i actually think it came out pretty pretty dope so you know shout out to matt berkey i don't know if he listens to the podcast but maybe maybe he will now now that we gave him a shout out uh but shout out to pastor matt berkey youth pastor over at life chapel um you know brilliant nuts and bolts kind of brain type of dude so he really put together the activity in like a lot of things like was like oh look we could play this game and this game and this game and this game and it was like oh nice and he like organized all of that so that was great and i think that was actually a big well actually no disrespect it was a big all you know big plus for the retreat but i think the biggest plus was the chick-fil-a lunch you know what i'm saying that Yo. was that was the biggest plus so um and the cookie did you have the cookie i did eat the cookie the cookie wow. was a banger i mean it was the warm cookie was good it was warm it was like legit so i was like bro they, and what's really it's cool like about commercial well i was gonna say what's really dope about them is they the way they delivered the meals shout out so shout out to chick-fil-a and old bridge the way they delivered the meals was they had one group one two-man team showed up and assembled all the boxes with the chips and stuff and and then the second team came with the chicken hot like hot all the rest of the stuff was hot so then they, they put the sandwiches together then put it in a box so they did all of this like we were trying to eat lunch at 12 they did all of this between 10 and 11 like just nice. showed up assembled the boxes and then the next team came with the chicken hop fresh off the grill bam i was like dude i was like because i thought it was just all gonna come at once but they sent the boxes ahead of time i yeah i was impressed with chick-fil-a i'm not gonna yeah. lie dude they know what they, they're doing. they know what they're doing they man keep and it I, quality they were like and they were like hey you know um are there some you know families in the church who are in need you know like if you guys don't use all of these 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 foods we just ask that you make sure that if there's some families who are in need and don't have that you make sure that that gets He's like no it's okay i'll eat it. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i should have i should have been like bro i am the need i, need I am eat another need. one so yeah that was pretty dope um so that was awesome shout out to andy lynn andy lynn our um new jersey youth alive director who came he spoke he did a great job um and then shout out to freehold you know what i'm saying as a whole to put together the worship team yeah. um had some some of our former students and then pastor matt was on the drums you know so it was a nice little nice little tandem it was and then joe palisano you know what i'm saying mixing the yes. mixing the vibes he was holding it down in the sound booth we really put it together man and i think that um from a, from the standpoint of the students they seem to really like enjoy it and feel like they got stuff out of it this wednesday is our testimony night so we'll see you know what the residuals of that is and then the next week we're going to kind of maybe unpack some more of the winter retreat stuff and like practicals but but yeah i think it was a great weekend all in all so nice. yeah. yeah and i i felt like a lot of what he said was practical i mm -hmm. i wanted to ask you that too because i felt like he was he was really not a lot of hype at all you know yeah just andy's went a, for it andy's a teacher so like you know yeah. his thing is like we kind of like putting that together i think some the thing is though he did say in the beginning his stuff is really high school 
not so much middle school. Okay. And so, you know, we kind of do need to come behind and maybe bring some clarity to some things because there was a couple kids who were like, what does he mean when he says this? I'm like, okay. <clears throat> I'm like, you know what, actually, I'll unpack this all for you on Wednesday. So, That's you know? good. Yeah, because so, I was curious. I was so curious. a couple of the kids definitely were like, yeah, because like, there were some concepts that were, yeah, they're a little bit more upper school, upper grade concepts about faith that some of the kids were like, wait, what? Like, what do you mean? Because I think he made a comment of like, you know, your faith isn't rooted so much in whether or not you're praying and reading your Bible, you know, yes. like like in this regimented kind of like. And so some of them were like, wait, I don't have to pray and read my Bible. And it's like, well, you should pray and read your Bible, like whether or not it's mandatory, like he's kind of messing with this concept and you kind of need to have an understanding for your desire for the Lord in order to truly get the concept. And so rather than trying to break all that down in that moment, yeah, I was yeah. like, all right, well, you know what? Wednesday, we'll talk about this. We'll unpack how this should be a byproduct of your relationship as opposed to like, you know, a box to check. So, which, yeah, that's what, what he said in the first session, which I thought was good mm -hmm. that I, w I was like, wow, you know, he's like, we don't have a knowledge problem. We have a desire problem. And I'm like, wow, you know, and, and I'm saying that spoke to me. And that's why I was curious how the students responded to that. And that makes sense. Like you said, if he's a little more, you know, uh, high school with his approach, I, th I think that makes sense. It's making you think a little bit. Yeah. Um, and he's challenging those assumptions that we have. Right. Because you know? I think a lot of them <clears throat> and we do have <clears throat> our group is a little bit younger. So we do have a lot of students who are kind of like, oh, you know, figuring out things and learning things for the first time, like. And, and going through some things. So we handed out some journals and stuff, too, like, um, before we left. I gave some kids some journals, which also had, like, some structural stuff in there for, you know, if they want to start to cultivate, like, a, a habit of journaling and, and, and reading scripture and, and memorizing scripture. So we have I, – I, it's going to be good, I think, Wednesday when we break some of this stuff down. Um, got a couple of leaders who probably will share some things as well, uh, from a counseling psychological aspect as well. Um, so yeah. Nice. Yeah, cool. So, yeah. yeah. Seemed like a good weekend. Uh, I had fun being there last night. Oh wait. Oh, I was telling you, Pastor Todd. Yeah. Our power went out last night. So I ended up, me and Rebecca came here for a few hours. Okay. All right. At my office. So. Oh, <laughs> tough. Just, you know, just in the office, chill. bro. You got this whole little space right here, bro. Uh, yeah. But like, it was like a long, well, it was a long weekend. I was actually tired on Saturday, even though I felt like I didn't have a lot of responsibility, but I was still pretty tired. Bro. Sunday was a long day because we had, you know, issues on like every end of the projector went out. The stream had a problem. There's a few things. Then I had like a Zoom meeting right after church for like an hour. So it was kind of like a lot, a lot, a lot. We went out to eat, came back, and then the power was out. So I'm like, okay. So, you know, I just kind of wanted to veg a little bit. But, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, I'm done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say, yeah, yeah you could have came back. I was going to say you could have came back through some, like. Hook your laptop up yeah, to, to, the to the projector, bro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. TV. yeah, actually, yeah, I, I could have done that, actually. There I mean, so I chilled for a little bit. I just, like, sat around, and then she went shopping, and then, like, yeah, we came back here and we were talking about watching a movie, but we actually had like somebody got us for Christmas like a date box thing. It's it's a company called Happily. Mm -hmm. It's really cool, and they send you like a date box in the mail, so like something to do as a fun date, the two of you. So we tried it, and it was really fun. It had like a couple games and some questions, and like it was pretty fun actually. So uh, I mean, we did that, so that was mm -hmm. fun. Right. It was a nice time. But uh, yeah, thankfully our power's back, so we're right, good. there you go. Yeah. 
But let's spend a few minutes. Let's talk about the sermon and the series. And it'll be great to have your uh, perspective, Pastor Jamal, because you were not here last week. And we really were talking about the whole series that Pastor Jeff's doing in February. And I know you're preaching this Sunday. So some of what you probably want to keep some of that to yourself with what you're going to be saying. But um, it'll be great just to have your perspective. So I'm going to just in this series called Rekindling Our Hearts and going through the book of Kings. Uh, there's the northern, there's the nation of Israel, then they split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And I think Pastor Jeff's mostly just looking at kings in Judah because all of the kings in Israel were evil, but there were some good ones in, uh, as the Bible puts it, in Judah. So anyway, you know, he talked about um, the parallels for our society right now and how America is divided and the nation of Israel was divided at that time, but God still spoke to them and moved and how it's an example for us. The, uh, Paul writes that, that he says the, these stories are there for us. They're an example. He's had some really good quotes, I feel, like throughout, like some really great points throughout this series. He talked about how we've recognized idols, but we haven't taken them down. He said we have a high place. But, uh, we may not have a high place, but many of us have a hidden place. I thought that was like really good. And last week talked about religious experience, how we can make that into an idol instead of coming to God and um, just some really, really great thoughts. So this week he talked about the story of Manasseh, who is the son of Hezekiah, who he talked about last week. And we can talk a little bit, but here's what I wanted to do being that it's the podcast kind of get a chance to explore some things that you don't always get to explore in like the sermon capacity. So he started with Hezekiah and there's a story of he's going to get sick. He's going to die. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah tells us to him, he cries out to the Lord and then Isaiah says, hey, okay, the Lord has heard you, and you're going to live uh, another 15 years, he says. So actually, I had written in my Bible, you can read Hezekiah's response after he receives this news. And I'm going to get you the reference right now. Okay, it's Isaiah 38, verses 9 through 20. And I did not look at this ahead of time with everything going on. So we are going to be reading it together live as we're all flipping there isaiah 38 9 through 20 so i just thought this is cool because like you hear the story and then in the book of isaiah this is actually what he writes some of this is actually word for word in the chapter of uh, in second kings and then verse 9 it says a writing of hezekiah king of judah after his illness and recovery so this was compiled into part of isaiah the, the scroll in isaiah here's what hezekiah says um Pastor Todd, would you want to read it for us when you get there? If you're ready to go. Sorry. Oh, I'm, sorry. Oh, I didn't I'm realize like, you were. I'm getting you know, texted by on. the office. Sorry, I didn't. I wasn't <laughs> trying to call you out. No, no, sorry, no. I was just trying to get your voice on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. So I'm sorry. What are we doing? Isaiah 38. Yeah, I'm trying to. I apologize. Yeah, no, it's just, they're texting me from the office because they don't want to come in and interrupt us. So oh. Isaiah. Isaiah what? 30. Uh, 38 verses 9 through 20. A writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after his illness and recovery. I said, in the prime of my life, must I go through the gates of death and be robbed of the rest of my years? I said, I will not again see the Lord himself in the land of the living. No longer will I look for my fellow man or be with those who now dwell in this world. Uh, like a shepherd's tent, my house has been pulled down and taken from me. Like a weaver, I have rolled up my life, and he has cut, off, cut me off from the loom. Day and night you made an end of me. 
I waited patiently till dawn, but like a lion he broke all my bones, day and night, and made an end of me. I cried like a swift or thrush. I moaned like a mourning dove. My eyes grew weak as I looked to the heavens. I am being threatened. Lord, come to my aid. But what can I say? He has spoken to me, and he himself has done this. I will walk humbly all my years because of this anguish of my soul. Lord, by such things people live, and my spirit finds life in them too. You restored me to health and let me live. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back. For the grave cannot praise you. Death cannot sing your praise. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, they praise you as I am doing today. Parents tell their children about their about your faithfulness. The Lord will save me, and he will sing, and we will sing with stringed instruments all the days of our lives in the temple of the Lord. Cool. Thanks for reading that. And uh, <coughs> it's just kind of neat. As Pastor Jeff had referenced that story, we can read it. Does anything stand out to you, actually, from this? I feel like a couple things. Um, I don't know. Anything stand out to you guys from what you read? Or his perspective. He seemed to be all right with it. He kind of just was <laughs> like, I don't know, I get the vibe. He was like, oh, man, I guess I'm going to die. Well, I guess it is what it is. Like, I I find that to be a little interesting. He just kind of accepts it for what it is. Um, and, you know, also given the history that I guess he doesn't have an heir at this particular time. He doesn't have a son yet. But um, he seemed to be okay with whatever his fate was at that time. I just think that's interesting. Although, I hear what you're saying, but although, like, towards the end of it, he does talk about um, the grave cannot praise you. Death cannot sing your praise. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, they praise you, as I am doing today. So there is kind of an aspect of, if I'm dead, I can't really praise you god so you know there's he's got a little bit of that going on in there you know towards the end um yeah yeah no that's a great point that's interesting and i thought it was interesting the first half how he's kind of i don't want to say blaming god but crediting god for him dying i mean he said in the one wait, where is it he says like y- you're the one who's broken all my bones or he breaks all my bones yeah verse 13 i compose my soul it's a morning, but like a lion, so he breaks all my bones. You may from day until night you make an end of me. So it's interesting. He he's like God, I guess he knows God is in control. So even if he's getting sick, he he views it that way, like but then he comes back and says, Wow, but it's the Lord, you know, he like he heals him though. And then also interesting in verse seventeen, love for my own welfare, I had great bitterness. Or and I forgot how your your translation worded it, but it was for my benefit. Yeah, surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. Yes. So that's his per- so his feelings of wow, God's in control and I'm gonna die now and he could save me. And then well God does save him and then he says, like, yeah, that's actually my benefit that I was in this anguish. So that kind of self reflection, I guess. Or ref- reflection on the Lord too. Um yeah, so I, th- I think it's cool. Also, I want to point out in verse 14, the NASB says, like a swallow, like a crane, so I Twitter. <laughs> so. <laughs> biblical Twitter. <laughs> there it is. Twitter's biblical. So, 
cool. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I, that's one of the reasons why Hezekiah is a good king and an example, a positive example for us. That passage I preached about last week, you know, his heart um, towards God, you know, and his perspective. And so Manasseh, unfortunately, ends up kind of being the opposite. We'll talk a little more about that because he does repent and what that means. But here's a comment. Just you guys, I asked you guys right before we hit record a little bit. Pastor Jeff had made an interesting comment and just want to unpack it for a second. He's talking about Manasseh, his father, Hezekiah, you know, had was a godly man. And so he set Manasseh up like he's got this positive example before him. But he instead embraces the pagan deities around him. He, he listed them El, Asherah, Baal, um, had temple pro- prostitution reinstituted in the temple of the Lord, not just like built a second one somewhere, but like, you know, went there and how, you know, perverted that was that he had done that. And, you know, you can really talk about how dark that is and stuff like that. But um, Pastor Jeff had made the comment, you know, we must, for those of us who have a godly heritage, we must preserve our godly heritage. It's not old fashioned. Um, so, you know, I just thought that was interesting. I don't know. I wanted to pick your guys brain on that statement. What do you think? I do have like an immediate thought. I think that that is it's it my immediate thought is it sounds a little like that comment sounds like somebody spoken spoken up from someone from Pastor Jeff's generation. Like mm-hmm. I think okay. that when you think about people that grew up in his generation to be part of a legacy is an honor. Right. Yes. When you look at teenagers today, they want to trailblaze. They don't usually want to come under a legacy and like kind of run with this thing. They oftentimes want to create their own. And it's um, it's an interesting kind of like, I guess, dichotomy, I guess, like of um, maybe a perspective on things like. Sometimes you have people who say, you know, um, I don't know how to word this, but like maybe you sometimes have people who say, man, I can't wait to inherit a legacy uh, and build upon what is kind of like been established there. And then you have some people who say, man, I can't wait till I have the tools to build something on my own. And I think that depending on the type of person you are, because maybe it's not even a generational thing, but just maybe the type of person you are, um, depending on how you see that could affect the way that you go about your faith journey. Um, and so like I can understand where you say, <clears throat> um, you know, if you have a godly heritage, um, you know, or uh, uh, what, what was the word again? Yeah. Preserve our godly. Yeah. Heritage. And so if you have a godly heritage and you want to build on that, um, that's great. But then you might have someone who's like, yeah, my family has a godly heritage, but I I want a faith that's my own. Yes. Does it make sense? Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess it's partly of how how you, how you define godly heritage. Because if you're if if you're just if you're just trying to preserve religious ceremony and you think that that's your heritage, then you're definitely missing out on something. And I don't necessarily know that that's what his intent was with this. Right, right, yeah. I, th- I think the intent was you want to preserve, like you want to preserve 
the things that you know are godly, which includes our relationship with God and not letting things come in and interfere with that and not letting outside idols grab our attention. I, I think that's more of where he was going with this. Um, but I think you have to start with defining, like, what is godly heritage? If godly heritage is just like, well, my parents went to church, so I go to church. Well, uh, you're kind of missing the point. You know, I think the point is if if, if we have a heritage within our hmm, uh like oh goodness gracious we 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 need to pursue um so you, you take I'm sorry I'm having so much trouble with <laughs> you gotta phone take today no it's fine yeah. um when it comes to like that idea of godly heritage like we'll, we we want to preserve our relationship with god yes and that's what we should be preserving it's not old fashioned to have a relationship with god it's not old fashioned to, to consider our spiritual life and, and how we need to grow. It's not old-fashioned to think about reading Scripture and growing from it, but it but it is not a good thing to try to preserve if it's just like, well, my parents went to church, so I'm going to go to church because it's the thing to do. And I think that's actually what a lot of older generations do. They'll say, I'm, I'm a Christian because I'm an American, but it really means nothing much more than that to them, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I think you guys are both hitting some great aspects that I think I was feeling, but I didn't know how to put to words. Cause I think obviously I know the sentiment and it makes sense actually for me. Cause like my family, uh, as you could characterize that we have a godly heritage, like we have a few generations of people being Christian. So like, like that makes sense to me. And it's not, Oh, it's not old fashioned to be a Christian just because, your grandfather was Christian. That That's great. You should preserve that heritage. But I think you're unpacking the layers that I felt underneath, right? Especially you may be here and think, um, yeah, I need to forge my own path or like, or, or it can feel possibly could feel passive to you. And again, I don't think that's what pastor Jeff's saying, but you could say, wait, so I, I have to preserve it. Like that's it. My, my, my function is to preserve what already exists. Like I just have to stay in this lane and not move. Like, and again, that's not what he's saying, but if you felt that way, I think, yeah, you, you hit that layer mm-hmm. of it, Pastor Jamal. And then what you were saying too, Pastor Todd, right. It, you can, you can think, you can feel that you have a heritage that's maybe just traditions or, or yeah, but, but it's, it's not that relationship with God, um, which obviously Manasseh did not have. So he had the traditions, he had the heritage, and and that's what Pastor Jeff is getting at. But maybe he did view it as old fashioned, or who who knows? But he did not pursue a relationship with God until the end of his life, you know. Um, but yeah, no, no, I think that makes sense. Do you have any other thoughts? Yeah, well, I was gonna say I think too. I don't want to completely poop on you know Manasseh, but. Um, I can understand being in position of being in the position of king. Different advisors trying to advise you on different things, on what makes the people happy, what they have found to be successful in the eyes of the people. And thus, to keep the people happy, you say, all right, well, we'll do these things so that, you know, people can go back to being happy. Because I can imagine that, Hezekiah saying, hey, we're going to do these things instead. It it rains on people's parade a little bit. And yeah. so then the people get, you know, funky or feel as though they. Uh, he's no longer a good king in the eyes of the people because 
he's choosing to serve God and not the people. And so then Manasseh may see that and say, okay, well, in order to be a good king, I have to serve the people. That's so good. And so then he, you know, may pander to that so that he can be seen as good when in reality. Um, now God sees him as evil. Yeah, because he that's what's deviated down. from what was supposed, what he was supposed to do. And it's interesting that you say that because I think he can use that as justification in his walk with God or his accountability to God. Lord, these people were complaining. This is what they want. I didn't, I just gave them what they want. You know what I mean? But how does God see it as we read it in scripture is like, you did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He's not saying, well, the people pressured him and it kind of makes sense. Like, like, oh, did I say something? No, no, no. I literally, I almost said something and I had to catch myself, but I'm going to say it anyway. It sounds a lot like what parents sometimes do when it comes to raising that's their kids. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Okay. But that's yeah, exactly what I was thinking. It sounds like, like what parents Sometimes do. we worry about our kids liking us as parents. Yeah. And so we'll do what they want, even though we sometimes we know it's not what's best it's for them. It's not what's best for them. I've I've had a couple conversations. Over the years, I've had conversations with parents that say, I don't want my kid to be viewed like this by other kids. So I'm letting them do A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. Mm. And in my mind, I'm like, man, that's heartbreaking. You know, you're allowing these 15, 16-year-olds to dictate what you what you know in your heart is the right way to kind of, like, lead your household. Yes. And so, like, I mean, I'll be honest. You know, we've had some moments with Corbin. You know, he's now at, you know, that age. He's nine. So he's, you know, he feels like he's he's a kid, but he feels like he's a he's more of a mature kid, right? Like he's no longer, yes. you know, like he'll watch Pokemon sometimes, but now he'll be like, oh, it's it's Pokemon. I don't know. It's a little kitty. You know, like it, yeah. he's starting to get to that space. And so he'll also too, like kind of pick up on what other kids do and how other kids talk to their parents. He's gotten better at not bringing some of that stuff home. He tried in the beginning. He met this woman named Phyllis Fletcher and she let him know that that was unacceptable. <laughs> so, you know, but yeah, so sometimes, and it's I get it. It's hard. I mean, I was telling Pastor Todd one time that he and I had a conversation. Uh, Corbin and myself had a conversation. And I was telling him, "Hey, you're supposed to be a leader. This is how you lead your 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 sisters," you know. And Corbin kicked it back to me. He was like, "Yeah, being a leader is hard." And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, you know, like you're absolutely right. Being a leader is hard, uh, but this is what it this is what it is." And in that same way. You know, being a parent in today's culture is hard. I will not, you know, take that away from from today's parents. I will also reinforce, though, um, that we are uh, two things. We, being of a royal priesthood, priesthood are called to parent differently, yeah. number one. Number two, you are not without help. The Holy Spirit enables you to parent in a godly manner if you'll allow him to mm. if you'll allow him to um and and i'm not talking about you know um religious rituals that you know like oh well we go to church every day you know or you know every sunday and we pray and read the bible together as a family i'm not talking about that stuff i'm talking about the the the, the stuff that's like the core like the heart stuff if you allow the holy spirit to empower you um Man, yeah, I just believe that um, you will see the fruit of that. Yeah. You'll see the fruit of that. 
Yeah, and, and and the thing that comes to mind too is you're talking about that. It's not just about like how other kids are going to see my kids. It's about how my kid sees me. Mm. You know, like sometimes we want our kids to think we're great, to to want to be our our kid's best friend. You know, and there's times like that that really, um, like we we can't pander to that either because we are in a position where we do see things differently than our kids because we have experience they don't have we we have understanding they don't have and and even though they may not like it like sometimes that's the burden we have to bear until they reach the point of understanding where they understand you know just you know this really it was a good choice i just right. didn't know it at the time or whatever so and again that's not easy you ha- you have to come to a point where you understand that how your kids view you temporarily does not define who you are, you know? So, and that's being rooted in Christ has really helps us to understand who we are so that we can deal with those tough moments. Yeah. I can attest to that. My dad was in the Navy. You're talking about some pretty strict, rigid parameters growing up. And I loathed it, loathed it. I, I just, ugh, it's, Probably some of the reasons why I'm just like, you know what? I would rather just be kind of like free and just, you know, just let things be with it. Like chaos, organized chaos is my friend. Um, and I, as an adult now, I'm like, oh, man, I kind of get it. Like I now see why my dad was like, hey, you need to do these things. Hey, these things are like this and these things are like this. And, you know, just different type of things he tried to implement, uh, even though I rejected them as as a teenager. And thought to myself, man, I can't wait to get out of my, I can't wait to get out of here, live by myself, do my own thing, you know. And and then as an adult, you start to be realized, like, oh, these these things were for my good and for my benefit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Those are some great thoughts, guys. And uh, let's move down to what we were talking about earlier, towards the bottom. Talk about Manasseh. Well, and like you said, you don't want to give him too hard of a time. Uh, and that's actually a little bit. What, where I want to go next, you know, Pastor Jeff had mentioned that he ruled for 55 years. He had the longest rule. And so he's like, why does he still do, why is it listed that he still did evil? And it's because maybe he had wasted so much of that time. It was a missed opportunity. It was too late in some ways, you know. So he had repented and God was with him. Um, you know, like, he, you know, he his relationship with God, I guess you could say, was restored. But the consequences or whatever were too late, you know. So, you know, we were just talking before we even hit record on some of these thoughts here on kind of our perspective, you know, what it can be. You know, I guess you had asked a question, Pastor Jamal, like, how late is too late, you know, in, in that sense? Like, so how many good deeds did he have to do to to change it that he would have been listed as a good king? You know, just some kind of interesting questions like, is it that black and white or I don't know. I yeah, I don't, good. And I don't know. I think um I don't know, just there were some those were just some thoughts that I had. I think that everyone, you know, keeping in line with I guess the idea of legacy, everyone is thinking about what type of legacy they're leaving on this earth. Yeah. And what people are gonna say about you when you, you know, move on. You know, I think about it I think about it often actually. Um, you know. Because people all the time, they'll say, you know, like, oh, Pastor Jamal, like, you're you're a cool youth pastor, man. You know, you do this, you hang with the kids and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. Uh, and I appreciate those things. But my mind is like, 
you know, if if my if my kids only ever remember me as like being a cool youth pastor, then I think I've 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 missed some things in life. So like, because at the end of the day, they may you know if I die, have a funeral, they may have a couple former students speak. I don't know, but the people who are going to be kind of like running the thing will be my family. And what do they think about me? What what's the legacy that I'm leaving behind in that regards? And so. And I think about sometimes, oh, man, I, you know, I misstepped here with, with, you know, when I approached, you know, the youngest one about this. It was a little bit too harsh, you know. When I approached the middle the middle kid about this, maybe I could have used more compassion there, you know. Um, and I think to myself, like, how many, how many moments, how many good moments do I need in my life in order for my kids and my wife to say he was a man of God, he was this type of husband, he was this type of father, Um and so I, I don't know. I think about that. So that's what that's why that question popped up for me when we're looking at Manasseh's life. And it's like he had this genuine moment of repentance, but he's still considered an evil king. You know, um, I mean, they made note of his, you know, repentant heart. But it, but was it enough to undo all the years of, you know, pagan and idolatry, pagan worship and idolatry that he had led the way for led the way for um, while he served as king? The kind of the thing that comes through my mind when you ask that question is thank goodness it isn't that we have to do enough good things to balance out what's happened in the past. Right. And, and because we, we won't ever do that. Right. Yeah, sure. You know, cause sometimes when we, when we make mistakes or we sin, like the consequences, consequences of that is, is is heavier that just doing right things doesn't cancel that out yeah so so i say that uh, i don't think there is an amount of stuff that kind of like puts the scales back in balance right but then that is kind of the whole point of salvation is that when we repent it's not there's a there's a balancing that comes into play that has nothing to do with what we've done mm-hmm. i guess is what i'm like i don't know if i'm saying that right no, no, but I, I think i know what you're saying but well and i feel like like i think of this is just as an analogy how like if i punch somebody in the face right i can ask god for forgiveness and he'll forgive me i'm not going to hell for that but i have to walk out the consequences of that relationship now that person may forgive me hopefully they will they may not now, if I'm like Manasseh and I punch 20 people in the face for 50 years, you know, like I can ask God for forgiveness. And, and that's what you're saying. There's no amount of I, I can buy everybody cake. Well, that'll balance out that I punch him in the face. It, it'll be like it never happened. Like that's just that's just not true. Right. But that and doesn't mean that God can't work in my life or I'm not. He can't save me or something. Mm-hmm. But there's still going to be consequences to walk out as a result of my choices. And uh, and I think too, like one thing we can kind of get here from Manasseh is at at no point are we beyond the point of being able to repent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, well, I'm too old now. I've done too many bad things. I've been too bad of a king or whatever. Like repentance, repentance, we can always like turn to God in repentance. And that doesn't mean we just wait until the last possible minute. Right. But it does mean that 
we shouldn't get stuck in I've done too many bad things. Mm. You know, which is kind of what I like tying it back to the idea of, well, how do we balance out the past that we've done? Well, there's never a point where you've done so many bad things that repentance then becomes impossible. Mm. You know, Pastor Jeff even said at the end, he said this in second service, you know, I don't think he did it in in first service, Um, but he made reference to, you know, what's taking place right now with with Ravi Zacharias's legacy. And just like the hit that that's kind of taken over the past few weeks, and you know, you can kind of you could hear it in his voice, Pastor Jeff, when he was talking about. It. He's like, "Guys, you cannot live your life making decisions that is going to like undo all of the good that God can." You know, like this idea that, <clears throat> like, he basically was highlighting the fact that, like your decisions and the consequences of those decisions they they can they can follow you You, and you need to make sure that at the you know from the outset that your heart and i think this is what he was talking about in regards to like um the legacy you know like faith legacy of faith faith of legacy oh what were you saying uh godly 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 heritage godly Godly heritage. heritage that's what it was like in regards to a godly heritage like how all of it can just be undone, you know, like because of this. And so, um, yeah, yeah I, don't know. I think too, like the, just the idea that you're in a vacuum, that your sins don't affect you, which he talked about right. that during the sermon as well. Like Manasseh's own self-corruption was the corruption of the nation. And even if you like, I think you had a great point, Pastor Jamal, that, well, maybe he had pressure, he had um, advisors and these things, but he needed to still have an awareness of his own role. Mm-hmm. Uh, that if he allows this in his own life, he's now, that's affecting other people. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, living in a way that not only is, it's not only like, oh, well, my sin will catch up with me, and it will. And and you see, uh, Ravi Zacharias is an example of how his name is tarnished. But not only his name or his legacy, but now the organization, there's hundreds of amazing people in that organization who now have to like, clean up this mess their names can be tarnished as a result right. and so just to pretend that what i do only affects me is is mm. the wrong perspective as a christian especially mm. right because it's not I, I know sometimes we we like to think about well it's j- that's just between god and i but the reality is our relationship with god and what our relationship with god is like good both positive and negative really does flow into our relationships to others. Yes. Yeah. And so, so like if you think about it, our vertical relationship, our up and down relationship, um, fuels our side to side relationships. Yeah. Our horizontal. And so it's, we, we sometimes as people like to dissect those and be like, well, that has nothing to do with you. That's between me and God. But yes, but the reality is what is going on in our spiritual life absolutely does flow into our relationships with people. Yeah. You know, like are we seeking from people the stuff we should be seeking with from God? And if we're if we're really pursuing a healthy relationship with God, that does overflow into the types of relationships we have with people and um, and I think that's another example where we're talking about godly heritage. Like he wasn't protecting his relationship with God. If you come back to that, he maybe he did his best to protect his um, like reputation, reputation, his image. 
His image, yeah. Yeah. And and if that was as far as he went with thinking about heritage, then then that's why he failed, you know. But it's not we're not trying to protect an image. We're trying to protect our relationship with God. And that's a good distinction. And even what you said earlier to those comments about if I do have a heritage of my family being Christian or even being American, and so we've always been at church, you can, on the negative side, oh, let me preserve that godly heritage. Let me preserve that godly image. You know, we're a church-going family, those types of things. And, like, no, that that is not what Pastor Jeff's saying, and that's not, if anything, maybe that's what you saw in Manasseh's life. And so that's a good distinction. It's preserve the godly heritage, again, your walk with God, your relationship with God, that if you have a level of faith because your family has, has been in the faith. That's amazing. You know, and that's, that's a gift, you know? Yeah. I think the other thing too is like, the one other thing that came out of me thinking about like, you know, how many deeds you need to be not considered evil was also the, the thought that, um, even though in this particular story, Manasseh, you know, waits to like, the end of his life to really kind of repent like we are often guilty of doing the same thing like we wait we kind of wait until we we wait until we're either like we can't hold it any anymore or our sin catches up with us or it you know something happens and we're exposed before we actually kind of like deal with some of the that stuff in our heart and that i think that's like um think about how many times like you have unforgiveness or bitterness towards a person and it's a long time. And then maybe you do ask God for forgiveness and he forgives you and all those things, but that person's not even in your life anymore. Mm -hmm. And so it's too late to mend a relationship or experience godly, you know, uh, reconciliation reconciliation with that person simply because you moved or they're not around anymore. And it doesn't mean there's no forgiveness you're completely forgiven, but we've missed that reconciliation right, that, that maybe could have taken place. That relationship still broken. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I want to ask this, and w- I feel like we've basically already kind of answered it, but I wanted to just say it if, you know, potentially you could be listening. You know, what if you feel like you've already wasted so much of your life? You know, what if you feel that way? But I, I, I would say, okay. But, again, I, I uh, like it's never too late to turn to repentance. Mm-hmm. And if you get stuck on, well, I've already done too much, then you're going to miss out on how you move forward in doing what God does want from you. You know, um, it's okay to mourn the loss of time, you know, and, and, and not having had the relationship you wish you had or you now realize you should have had with God or, or to have done things in the past that you're ashamed of. It's okay to mourn those things. Uh, but if you get stuck there, then it gets really hard to move forward in the relationship that God w- does want us to have with him. Mm-hmm. You know, so I would say acknowledge those things. Acknowledge, okay, you know, I wish I would have, whatever. But that doesn't have to be the full story of your life, you know. And I think, too, the other thing that comes to my mind, um, um, God works all things together for the good of those who loved him and are called according to his purpose. And I, yes, amen. I think that my friend, my I have a friend, a brother in Christ who's like my accountability partner, and oftentimes 
when we're talking to one another and we were like in funky head spaces about stuff, we'll say this to one another. We'll say, Hey man, remember nothing is wasted when in the hands of God, like even the mistakes that we've made, you know, can be used by God to bring about something beautiful. And I think like if you're in that space where you say, well, I've already wasted, you know, X amount of years, you know, not living for the Lord or not doing these things with the right heart. Today can be the day where that shift takes place and God in his grace, in his mercy and in his goodness could take whatever years you have left and make something beautiful, right? Because even while we're sitting here, we're talking about Manasseh was this evil king. The fact that his repentance was genuine is still noted in the scripture, Yeah, which I think is something to highlight. Like, hey, listen, was he an evil king? Did he, you know what? He wasn't the best king. You know, he was not. But his repentance was genuine. I'm sure, you know, there's probably somebody, I don't know. I'm just speaking out of what I feel, right? So I'm in a feeling space right now. But, you know, you could be the type of person right now who's listening to this and you say, well, I've not always been the best father. Okay. And that may be true. Maybe you didn't make some great choices as a dad. However, you know, you can now be the type of person where the redemption story can really shine as you surrender to Jesus. So, you know, maybe you had some missteps before, um, but you can, you know, there can be this turnaround if you trust in the Lord. So that's, that's my thought on that. And the beauty of the cross is none of us are perfect. (laughs) And so maybe you had missteps in the past, but the cross deals with that stuff. And so you can move forward and you can move forward like making other choices. You can move forward. And sometimes that's a process too of making better choices and leading differently and, and, and learning what it means to really love God and not be dependent upon an image and, mm-hmm. and all those things. And, and, and like there's, even if you're like 80 years old and that moment has come, you know, like that's the beauty of the cross is that moment has come and the rest of your life, even if it's like next half hour, a couple hours, couple days, couple years, like God can bring, God can use, um, I'm going to say this, your experiences in the past, God can redeem those things so that in the future you can, you can be a blessing to others too, through the experiences you've had. Not that that means go ahead, go ahead and do everything you want to do. And then, okay, I'll come, I'll come to repentance later and God will make something great out of this. But but I think it's 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 there's not a sense of hopelessness there, I guess is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to convey, you know. Mm-hmm. So. That's really great, guys. Uh, thank you so much for your perspective, uh, you know, and <clears throat> picking apart a little st- uh, further the story and stuff like that. I know, Pastor Todd, you got to split. But I did want to ask you guys this really quick. Pastor Jeff made the comment that he almost, he was going to bring a trash can on the altar. Or, no, the, what did he say? Like the trash, the thing outside. The dumpster. The dumpster. Bring it in and start throwing it on the altar. <laughs> How do you think that would have went down if he really did it? <laughs> How would it have gone down? 
not well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was like, I know some of you would have been offended, so I didn't do it. <laughs> I thought, I was like, you know, he could have got like, after he said that, I thought this, I'm like, oh, I guess he could have got like a small trash can and just take some white paper and just crumble it up in balls in the trash can. You know, like they've just done that. But uh, <laughs> it was a good, it was a good, uh, would have been a good object lesson, but he had the flowers and it was still a good illustration because it was, it made the point. You're like, oh, he's like, if you're offended about that, you know, hey, how about ourselves where the spirit of God is? And I'm, uh, I'm like, oh, you know, that's really good. But I thought, I thought it was great that he said, it. he's like, I was going to do it, but, uh, you know, I didn't do it. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I actually had one time when I was working with teenagers, I had a Super Bowl party at my house and the kids left garbage everywhere. I mean, it was like ridiculous, the garbage they left. So that Wednesday night, I actually brought all the garbage from home and I put it on all the chairs and said, go ahead, have a seat. <laughs> go oh, ahead. Man. And if uh, and if you don't like it, well, then go ahead and put it in the garbage, which is what you should have done at my house. Because <laughs> I was so mad. I mean, there was like gum ground into the carpet. So I kind of did Ooh. that. Uh, I just did it on a smaller scale. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I guess I, I should have did that when we had the back when we were in the parsonage. <clears throat> this is like early in my marriage. So. It was like probably one of the first Unite parties we had married as a married couple. And the kids came over. And uh, I'm not going to say who because I remember who it is. But they had orange soda and they spilled it in one of the rooms where we had like beige white carpet. Kind of. Oh, like. my gosh. And it just was like this spot of like orange. Phyllis was And mad. they just like walked away Upset. and acted like that didn't happen. Yeah. I, well, by the time I saw it, everyone was gone. Yeah, Wait, so, so but I mean, the, the kid did it at alive? the time, and he did with. Like, yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it's they're still living. It's okay. a, it's a, it's a, it's right as as it stands right now. It's a toss up between the, these two students who might have done it. Um, but I yeah, we'll, we'll talk say, about who it is yeah, after because yeah. I think Phyllis was guess. upset, bro. She was mad. She was mad that that spot was there. Then she was mad that I didn't see it. Like I was like I, I I didn't see I don't know I just saw it just now she I wasn't was like, patrolling the room and that was her issue like you should have been on this like yeah man we like uh, sorry there was a student that he basically he clogged our toilet so it's overflowing right so I'm like there trying to shut it off some of the youth leaders like real quick like we're cleaning up it was like great that they all like stepped in so. Now he starts laughing about it, this kid, because it's like, I guess, I mean, you're embarrassed, but I was like, no, you're not laughing about this. Like, so I made him clean it up. Then his mom was taking longer to pick him up than everybody else. So I had him start more awkward. Yeah, no. So, so I had him just start, just, he started cleaning my apartment. I'm like, all right, I had him vacuum like the whole couch. Cause that's what I would have done after everyone left anyway. So I'm like, you do it. So he started getting bent out of shape and I was like, no man, you did this to my apartment. You're cleaning. So, so moral of the story: If you come to our house, please clean up after yourself, because we don't want to make you clean up. No, I thought it was gonna be like moral of the story is welcome to youth ministry. So <laughs> well, that's there too. For. Yeah, 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 that's there too. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. It's been Pastor Matt, Pastor Jamal, and Pastor Todd. We'll see you next time. Bye.